post what you read and what you think or something that jumps out at you on social media using the hashtag PCCWisdom. And in doing these things as we're going a million different directions in the summer, we have the opportunity to continue to help people discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. Not just when we're here gathered together, but every day as we go throughout our life. And it's a way we can engage in that together. And so if you have yet to accept the challenge or if you're new, it's never too late to jump in and do that uh, and do that together. Today, uh, we are l- taking a look at this idea of honesty. And I don't know about you, but there are times that I find myself, especially when I'm watching the news or listening to, to someone famous or important speak, that I just, I just feel like I'm questioning everything that's being said. It's as if I've been lied to so often that I just can't believe or don't believe what I'm hearing anymore. And I find myself just, just having all these thoughts, things that especially jump out in the book of Proverbs, like Proverbs 6.12, a good-for-nothing scoundrel is a person who has a dishonest mouth. And I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, you don't want to name names, but that's what you think. Or the words from Proverbs 12.22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. So why do we lie? Why do people lie? Why do you lie? Why do I lie? Why do we do that? Well, according to American journalist Poe Bronson, he says it starts early. He writes these words, Kids lie early, often, and for all sorts of reasons. To avoid punishment, to bond with friends, to gain a sense of control. But now there's a singular theory for one way this habit develops. They are just copying their parents. So everything's related back to your parents. It's your parents' fault. You're off the hook. It's all good and we're done, right? That's kind of, no, maybe not. But if that is indeed true, if if children, if we're learning from our parents, then it's important as parents then that that we are honest because our children are watching. A couple of additional scriptures which talk about honesty. Proverbs 13.3, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Gentle words are the tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And, And I wonder, have you ever had your spirit crushed? I see it often. When someone breaks a promise. Things like, he said he would always be faithful, but he lied. She said it wasn't a problem, but she really is addicted. My parents said they would always love each other. Now they're getting a divorce. They both tell me that they will always love me. How can I believe them? He said he would there, but he never showed. He said he would never show that picture to anyone, but now it's on social media. And when this idea of honesty comes, we, we believe and we act on the premise that there are different levels and requirements for being honest. Because honestly, we really need for there to be different levels and gauges of being honest. We need for there to be those little white lies, right? We need for there to be those big lies that we can try to avoid. And there's all these different lies that we put in between, these variations and degrees. But when you step back and you just kind of look at it objectively and take your personal view and and, and those things out of it, what we see is that all lying, regardless of whether we classify it as a big lie or or a small lie, it's all deceit. It's deceiving someone or it's even sometimes deceiving ourselves. And, And while lies and deceit have different consequences, the reality is a lie is a lie. According to an article I read, lying has this progression that I want to share with you. There are different stages a person goes through when it comes to lying. And if you've ever watched a VeggieTales 
uh, Larry Boy and the Fib from Outer Space. Some of you have seen that. This is what this little, you know, entertaining cartoon is all about. It talks about how uh, stage one is you lie. You, you tell a seemingly insignificant, excuse me, insignificant lie, but it can start a, a small spark that creates a fire and sets things on fire. And if you don't come clean with that, with that small lie, then you move on to stage number two, you self-protect. You tell lies for that initial lie. You protect yourself. It's been said that lies travel in packs. They need each other to survive, so you protect. Then you develop a habit, and people just start to continually lie about things. I've known people who, who they just seem to lie about small, insignificant things, about what they ate or where they went or how much sleep they actually got the night before. It becomes a habit. It's, just, it's a default thing, and they just, just have to make up these lies. And, and then you go on to self-deceit. You actually begin to believe the lies that you're telling. You, convict, you convince yourself that those lies are actually true, and then you rationalize it. You, you believe it, and then you believe what you're doing and what you're saying are for a good reason, and it's going to be actually be for the benefit of others. This article talks about how it's a slippery slope. In Proverbs, uh, what we see is that when we do this, it has a tendency to wreck every relationship we have. It wrecks uh, the relationship with the people we love and the people we know. And so how do we avoid this progression? How do we stay off that slippery slope? Well, according to the book of Proverbs, there are several things that we can do. If we want to be truthful people, live truthful lives, and not have to worry about being hooked up to a lie detector test or taking one of those, there are three main things that I found several different experts recommend we do, or in some cases, what we don't do. And I want to share them with you this morning. The first one I found a little humorous, but uh, I think it's true as well. If you want to be a more truthful person, the first thing is we need to speak less. Make sense? And that does make sense, right? And the idea is we could increase our level of telling the truth if we simply didn't talk as much. Uh, I've heard the statement, and I'm sure you have as well. That's why God gave you two ears and one mouth so you can listen twice as much as you speak, right? We are to listen and not speak as much. Proverbs 10:19 says, The more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. And that's just more difficult for some people than others, Right? Some people just really enjoy talking. They have a lot to say. They're quick to share what's on their mind. And that doesn't mean that they're not telling you the truth. It just, if you kind of read that scripture, it says the wise measure their words. Now, I'm going to step out on this ledge real quick, but I'm just going to share the facts and not give any interpretation so as to try to stay out of as much trouble as possible. All right, you ready? According to research, uh, an average man says... 7,000 words a day. The average woman speaks right around 20,000 words a day. I'm right here. I'm going to just give you the facts. You do with them what you will, right? I read where a woman said, you know why that's true? Because women have to say things two or three times before men actually hear what they have to say, right? So there you go. I'll step back off my little ledge and we'll go on down the road. Um, The point is we could increase our level of truth-telling if we speak less. Consider these verses from Proverbs. Proverbs 15.2, the tongue of the wise adorn knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. The heart of the righteous weighs its answer, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. 
Proverbs 17, 27. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. My dad would often say it this way, it's better to be silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and prove it, right? We would all do well if we were to think about how we respond before we actually speak, speak less. The second recommendation may seem obvious, but I think it's a little more nuanced than than at first uh, blush, and it is simply this, speak truth, right? And the idea here is not just that we say truthful things and speak truth, but, but that we speak truth into the lives of other people. Proverbs 3.3 3 says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Speaking truth into the lives of other people is not always easy, but it's necessary and beneficial to that person. Uh, I share a couple of examples from my own life. Uh, growing up, uh, I spent a lot of time with my grandpa, with my mom's dad. Uh, he would pick me up in the morning, or I would ride my bike to his house, and we would head out to do chores. And we would do, uh, you know, lots of different chores. We would feed and count. We counted the cattle every morning, which I, you know, understand that's what you have to do, but we'd feed the cattle every day. We'd count the cattle every day. Uh, we'd work the cattle. We'd milk the, the one milk cow we had. We'd repair fence. We'd build, uh, uh, or repair machinery, build fence, grind feed, work the fields, bale the hay, all those things that you do on a family farm. My grandpa was an honest man. He spoke the truth uh, when he had dealings with people. Uh, He spoke the truth in the grain elevator. Uh, He spoke the truth at the tractor dealer. He spoke the truth to his two sons who also worked on the farm and didn't always see things eye to eye. He spoke truth into me and into my life. And it didn't matter if it was work on the farm or academics or sports or 4-H. Grandpa was always there willing to praise the good, point out the bad, and encourage growth. And as I was thinking about this, I I couldn't pinpoint one specific example of where he just really like, you know, spoke truth into my life. It It was just who he was. It's the way he carried himself. He, he was a man who spoke truth. He, he spoke it constantly. He spoke it consistently in my life, and it made a big difference. And, and I'm sure he wasn't honest 100% of the time because he's human. But he spoke truth into me. I can also remember a cold afternoon uh, one day after school when uh, I found myself sitting uh, in the office of my pastor, Tom Farrington. And like we did often, we were talking about life and and sports, and, and family, and stuff, and, and Tom uh, was not only the pastor of the church in our little small town, he was also a friend of the family. Uh, he knew me, he knew my parents. Uh, he'd been in Hume seven or eight years at this point, and so uh, as is the case in a lot of small towns, uh, he was woven into the fabric of the community, and uh, he kind of watched me grow up at that point. Uh, I was feeling the pressure of, so what are you going to do when you graduate from high school? And I didn't really have a great answer. What I really wanted to do was what a lot of teenage boys want to do at that age in their life. I wanted to go play professional baseball, right? That was my dream. That was my goal. But I also wanted to go on to college and continue my education and be the first KC to graduate from college. And so I had lots of different options that were in front of me. And as we were there talking about those things, I remember so vividly that Tom, he looked at me over those thick rim glasses that he wore, and it was like he was peering directly into my soul. And he spoke words of truth into my life that, 
that I will never forget. He said, never be afraid to do what God is calling you to do. And those words have impacted my life for over 30 years now. Never be afraid to do what God is calling you to do. All because He was willing to speak truth into my life. One of the opportunities I have each week when, when I prepare and come up here and, and have the opportunity to speak to you is to speak a, a message of truth to you. And there are times when, by God's grace and through the work of the Holy Spirit, that, that different people have come up to me and said, I felt like you were talking directly to me. I'm like, yeah, good, right? There was a, a time a while back where for two, it might have been three weeks in a row, the same couple came out, and on the second or third time that he said this, he looked at me and goes, have you bugged our house? Right? <laughs> I'm like, well, no, because it was just, just telling them. I, I've had people after a sermon go, how did you know? Who told you? And I'm like, I don't know. No one told me. I've had people say, that really hit home. I really didn't like what you said today. I really needed it, but I really didn't like it. There's one guy who one week, uh, he walked out, and I know him you know, fairly well, but I, you know, I'm standing over here. He walks out over here. He looks at me, starts shaking his head, and goes, I don't want to talk to you right now. Right? Why does that happen? I, I think I can tell you why that happens and why that's possible. It's not because I'm good at what I do. It, it happens when the truth of the Word of God is spoken into our lives and we're receptive enough to hear it. Amen? Truth reveals things that, that we need to see. And while it's difficult for me at times to speak truth into the lives of others, I've been fortunate enough to have people throughout my life who've been willing to speak truth into me so that I can grow and I can learn and I can mature. And I'm grateful for their words that they have shared. And I haven't always liked what they've had to say. Sometimes what I'm told is hurtful and it's convicting. But I need that truth. And so do you. We all need truth. So how do you share or how do you speak truth? How do you tell someone what they really need to hear and do it in a way that's not only beneficial, but will create an opportunity for them to actually receive it? I want to offer you two somewhat obvious, but I think important suggestions as we think about this. First is we need to share in private. We need to share these things in private. And again, that may seem obvious, but it still needs to be said. Truth is received, especially if it's a potentially painful truth, it's best received in private. Uh, think about it this way. No one wants to be put in their place publicly, right? I don't know of anyone right now that wants me to call them out and go, okay, let's talk about this right now, right? No. We need to do it in private. If you, have, if you want the potential for the best possible income, it needs to be done in a one-on-one -on -one situation. Matthew eighteen fifteen tells us, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. They listen to you, you have won them over. So we need to share in private. The second is we need to share as a friend. And again, this may seem obvious, but it still needs to be said. Think about how much more receptive you are to hear the truth from someone that you love and respect and you know loves and respects you. That compared to someone you don't know. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And I would propose this, that if we're not willing to speak truth, even a painful truth at times, into the lives of our friends, then we have to evaluate if we're really being a friend. I heard this 
This verse, Proverbs 27, 6, explained this way. An enemy tells you what you want to hear. A friend tells you what you need to hear. They love you enough, they care about you enough to share with you words so that you can grow. An enemy will say, you are amazing, you are fantastic, you are incredible, you are one of a kind. And a friend will say, you are amazing, you are fantastic, you have issues, you are incredible, and you are one of a kind, right? Because all of those things are true. A friend will wound you, but you can trust them. I had this happen to me a couple of weeks ago. I met a friend of mine, and he brought up something, and I didn't like the fact that he brought it up. It hurt. But you know, I'm better for it because it gives me an opportunity to grow and to mature and to become more like Christ. And so I want to encourage you to speak truth, to do so privately, and to do so as a friend. And that's all great if you're the one sharing truth, but what if you're on the receiving ends like I was a couple of weeks ago? What do you do then? And that brings us to number three, And this idea of hearing truth in our lives. We need to be willing to hear truth. If someone speaks the truth to us, we need to be receptive to it. But often, what happens when someone approaches us and says, hey, we need to talk, and then they bring up something about you or your life, what's your natural reaction? Thank you so much. I really appreciate being made to feel like bad about, no, what's our first reaction? We get defensive, don't we? We, we're, we try to rationalize why what they're saying is not true, and yet we still need to hear the truth. When someone speaks truth into your life, uh, you may think it, uh, you may even say it out loud as well, things like, all right, well, who died and made you boss? Uh, you want to talk about stuff? We can talk about stuff. And we start throwing lobs back at the other person. And it doesn't matter if you've been a believer in Jesus all your life or if you're not sure what you believe about him. At times, it's difficult to hear the truth, but we need to hear it. The truth about who you are. The truth about what we've done. The truth about our humanity. And that's what the scriptures, including the Proverbs, it does so well. It tells us about God. It tells us about us. The story of God's amazing love and his desire to live in relationship with us with each and every one of us, and how we are to live in unity with one another and not draw lines and divide and and be hostile and, and all of those things, but instead we are to come together under his love, which offers freedom and life and unity and grace and peace. And when it comes to this concept of hearing the truth, listen to what Proverbs 15.31 says. It says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. Now, for all of you out there that are, that are thinking about this right now, I just want to say there's a difference between constructive criticism and criticism, right? Some people are pretty good at being critical. And you may have those people in your life. Because it's not that the glass is just half empty. The glass is cracked or it's the wrong size or the wrong shape or what's in it is too hot or too cold. There's a lot of things wrong with that glass. But the text points toward constructive criticism, not just being critical, I like what Todd Clark wrote about this. He shared, constructive criticism will make you better. Constant criticism will make you bitter. Right? And here's the deal. The reason we offer constructive criticism and the reason we share truth and the the reason we do that in a way that it will be heard and received is with the goal of the person being at home among the wise. It's not us venting so we feel better about ourselves. It's lovingly sharing truth to, more, to move someone toward wisdom. The Bible and the book of Proverbs continually offers truth for us to hear, and we have the opportunity as to whether or not we hear it 
whether or not we accept it, whether we apply it and then grow from it and become wise, whether or not we decide that we want to make our home among the wise. And so the question that I present to you this morning as as we wrap up uh, this message today is this. What truth do you need to hear or speak this week? What truth do you need to hear or speak this week? Maybe you need to say the words to someone, I love you. Maybe you need to say to someone, I'm proud of you. And you need to speak that truth into their life. Maybe the words of truth that you need to say to someone is, I am sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Or maybe the truth that you need to speak is the same truth that you need to hear, that all of us need to hear. And that's that God loves you. That he sent his one and only son Jesus to to demonstrate his great love for you, that he came so that we could experience this life and life to the full, that he poured out his love for us on the cross, and because of that, we have hope and we have life and we have a future. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus loves you, and that's a truth we all need to hear. It's a truth that we acknowledge. It's a truth that we celebrate. It's something that that we commemorate each and every week when we participate in communion. In just a moment, the ushers are going to pass the trays, one containing bread, which represents Jesus' body, the other containing juice, which represents Jesus' blood. And and as we partake of those elements, we are proclaiming his death until he returns. We celebrate the life that we have in him. We celebrate the fact that we have a connection, not only with each other, but with believers all across this country and all around the world and, and across space and time because we participate in the gift that Jesus gave to us to remember and to celebrate him. And so as the ushers pass the trays this morning, we invite you to partake. We invite you to celebrate. We invite you to remember, to receive the truth that he loves you. And he's created a way for you to worship him and to celebrate and to remember him. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. Let's partake of communion together this morning.